Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Given what it's going to take to beat a Limerick, to beat any of the top sides, you're going to need probably 222, 223, in around that 28, 29 point mark. Do I see Waterford registering that mark of what my eyes are seeing right now? No, I don't will. Pretty much hell for leather. You might have a two-week break at max from then right through to year end. So, like, you know, managers you think have to be looking at the long game here and sort of saying any gaps that they can to rest and recover players, knowing what's ahead of them. You'd have to be thinking like that, wouldn't you? The business end of the National League is fast approaching as places in the knockout phase are snapped up. Mayo were the first team to book a place in the Division One football final, and they could potentially face all rivals Galway in Croke Park in a few weeks' time. Meanwhile, in the hurling, the semi-final matchups are set, with Kilkenny hosting Cork next weekend, while Inform Tipperary take on Limerick. So we've plenty to discuss on today's episode of the Throw In Podcast. Will Slattery here with you. And on part two of the show, Eddie Brennan and John Milan will be here with us to discuss hurling. But first, I'm joined by Michael Verney, Dick Clerken, and Conor McKeown to look back on all the football action. And Dick, I might go to you first. And we might start off with Mayo, the, the first team, as I mentioned, into the Division One final. And what a start Kevin McStay has made over the first six matches of his tenure. Unbeaten, a first win in Donegal, and arguably the team to beat at the moment. Have you been impressed with how quickly he's hit the ground running? Ah, yeah, it's sort of as you were with Mayo, like we've been saying it repeatedly from, from basically opening day. They're thereabouts that they've they got off to a good start and they've, they've just kept on that upper trajectory there's no point in saying otherwise like they have combination of returning players that exit Tommy Conroy looking at him yesterday playing up I'm not sure what they they done to him when he was recovering but 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 hammering up the 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 pitch yesterday you've got obviously like so Donahue was out last year with injury as well Aidan O'Shea is like a, a, a new player um Paddy Dorkin again one of my favourite players back yesterday flying as well. So so you have players coming back in that that weren't there for injuries. You have new players coming in, you know, stepping into the panel and you've got older players seem to have found a bit more form and energy. So you put all that in together, as everyone's saying, that they're the, the, the team to beat, they're the form team and they're the best team in the country based on what we've seen over the last uh, number of weeks. And, and you, it's very difficult. <laughs> Only the most sort of pessimistic sort of anti-Mayo person could say otherwise. Now, would you still back them to win the All-Ireland? No, because we can't trust them based on, on 2021. So they've that box to tick. But in terms of the football that they're playing and I suppose that sort of that energy you want to see in a team that other teams, more so than ourselves, just don't have at the minute. They're, they're, they're everyone's, you know, favourite team at the minute in many ways. Connor, do you agree with Dick that Mayo are the best team at the moment? Like, do you look at it as in it, it's they're having a good league, or are they the best team right now if a championship kicks off? 
Well, I think Mayo and Derry are the two best teams based on what we've seen so far. I know there's a caveat with Derry because they're playing at a lower level, but they've been so good, um, so, so good. Uh, they're racking up huge numbers in terms of scores and they're not conceding very much. And that tends to be a pretty potent combination. And they've got a 100% record and they've got a small squad and, and they go out and play with the same intensity at every moment in every single game. And they're just very, very impressive. Now, what you would sort of say about that and this is maybe where Mayo might have the edges. Mayo have cultivated a huge number of options during the league. Like even just looking at the team that started yesterday, there's there's guys that are only really in their first year in a team that is now thriving. Um, and as we know, like if, if we frame everything in the context of what's coming later in summer, you know, Mayo will have to play at least eight, maybe nine matches to get to an All-Ireland final. Could be as many as 10. So you know, the panels of all the top teams are going to be tested this summer in a way that they've very rarely been tested before. Um, so from a Mayo point of view, I think it's hugely encouraging. I think Aidan O'Shea is probably being the best player in the league this year. Um, you know, that along with Matthew Tierney, they're probably the two really outstanding players in terms of consistency every single day. Um, and who knew, like, sticking them in the inside forward line was going to be such, uh, such a liberating acts but you know it works really well himself and Ryan O'Donoghue they're not just like they complement each other really well like o- O'Shea comes off the right and kicks with his left O'Donoghue is the kind of the inverse of that but both of those guys are very comfortable taking the ball from somebody who's run up the pitch they're also very comfortable winning it inside and I think Jack Carney has been a huge find for them as well um, at centre half forward um, or in that kind of link man you know the role that Kevin McLaughlin would have played very very well for so long so um and even the two games that they didn't win, I know there was a lot of uh, local angst in Mayo, which there tends to be plenty of uh, when they they scuppered a couple of big leads in the first two games and didn't win and ended up drawn. But that kind of game management stuff, you know, that's that's the thing that teams kind of hone towards the back end of the league with a view to using it in the championship. So, like, really, it's been an exemplary league campaign. Um, and, you know, if you're doing the rankings, I think, like, Mayo... I'm not sure you'd necessarily put them ahead of Galway. You know, Galway have been through some incredible, um, some incredible battles, and and they look like they've improved from last year. It's hard to really know where Dublin are, um, and Kerry are only just kind of finding their stride now. So, you know, Mayo probably have been playing with different schedule maybe than the, the teams that we're talking about them being on a par with now. But like the league basically couldn't have gone any better for them. That's that's absolutely certain. And Michael, how do you think they should manage the next couple of weeks? Obviously, first team into a league final, as I mentioned, they play Monaghan, then a league final, and then potentially, or say they do play Roscommon then in the championship. So it's a busy couple of weeks. Should Kevin McStay keep, you know, the hot hand and ride the guys he's been using, or should he chop and change and prioritize different matches? What way do you think he should go about it? I uh, definitely this weekend you'd be you'd be running going even deeper into your squad. I'd say the lads from twenty six to thirty six to have delighted. <laughs> yeah, they haven't played the, the lads. Have that played. all week. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be surprised if they don't, you know, because uh, and there's similar scenarios across some of the other league divisions, even the likes of Division Three, where Cavan are through already, and they play. I think they play for Mana, and that's a big game with with uh, permutations for other teams as well. But like, it's it's Mayo's right. They they've qualified, like so they're in. They've put themselves in a, that nice position where they can, you know run guys, uh, give guys chances that are on the fringes a small bit, maybe. And that's not to say that they, that they still wouldn't get the victory and they'd probably still keep, you know, the bulk of the, the bulk of the, the bulk of the kind of front liners. 
But I'd say that's what that's what they will do, and they go gung ho to win the the league final. I'd imagine. Um, but they'd have to, wouldn't they? Like, and I'm not saying because it's 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 in Monaghan's interest that they run the bench. But if you look at what's ahead of them, not just oh, yeah. in terms of the the league final, they're out against. Am I right? Say they're out against Roscommon the week after the league final, and then it's pretty much hell for leather. You might have a two week break at max from then right through to year end. So like. You know, managers you think have to be looking at the long game here and sort of saying any gaps that they can to rest and recover players, knowing what's ahead of them. You'd have to be thinking like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, and as I said, I think they've earned the right to do that. And that's not to say they're not going to try and win the game. Of course they are. And the lads that are trying to stake a claim, be it for the 15 or for the 26, are going to want to win the game. But they've put themselves in that position now and it's like it's that's kind of game management at this stage. Yeah. It's if you're planning your calendar out and you've got this game that's basically a free hit to give a lot of guys game time, you're you're definitely going to take it and you're going to rest. I'm sure, they're going to look at you know who has certain amount of minutes played so far, and you know four to five lads will be rested and four to five new faces will come in. And, and I think that's only smart from Kevin McStay's point of view because there is a. Obviously, there's a long-term vision to it as well. So, yeah, they, I think they've earned the right to do it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, I see no issue with it at all. No, no, 100%. Dick, one thing I'd like to ask you about the Mayo setup, you know, given you've been in inter-county setup yourself, you know, mm. Kevin McStay assembled a very star-studded backroom team with plenty of managerial experience. As a player, is that the sort of backroom team you'd love to play under when there is more than one kind of manager there? Or... Can there be too many kind of managerial figures like that? You have Stephen Rochford in there who's got the finals and you have Donnie Buckley who's a big personality, Liam McHale's there and obviously McStay too. Like, it's an interesting dynamic, I'd imagine. I I, I think, yeah, listen, there's been plenty of of management teams cobbled together. You know, Shimonon had won last year. Bandy had had plenty of men in. Donnie Buckley been one of them. And and we got very little out of that. For every star-studded team that does well, there's another flatters to deceive. I think a lot of it comes down to that 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 leader that and that's Kevin McStay who who's setting the, the tone in terms of of everything else be it the backroom team and the players and and I was so I would put all of the 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 credit and what Mayo has done on on Kevin McStay because you know ultimately he had to decide number one who he wanted in this in in his backroom team and what he wants from them and how they communicate and everything then that filters down. Like I don't I don't believe in this it's this sort of managing by democracy. Yes, yeah, yeah. And everyone needs to have a voice, but somebody has to to set the tone and, and, and set the sort of the the strategy and the north the North Star for the year and what Mayo football needs to be week in, week out. And and that, that huge credit because like Mayo were in a very poor place after last year. Like I would we all know plenty of Mayo supporters were very deflated. There had been a lot of angst in the county stemming from the 2021 defeat and you know so it was it was anything but a, a fait complete that they would turn things around so I would say Kevin McStay has to get the credit for that and he's he's, he's a passionate Mayo man he has sort of wanted that job for best part of a decade he's got it and you can see he is probably pouring everything into it and he's getting that response from the player so yeah whatever about the backroom team he has behind him it, it's him at the point and and you know huge credit has to be given to him for that yeah certainly hit the ground running Connor another kind of interesting way the league has played out is it sets Ulster up very nicely you know you have four teams in division one Armand Tyrone probably a bit patchy Donegal and Monaghan facing potential relegation and you touched on Derry earlier who have been flying in division two it, they're the Ulster champions, obviously, but there doesn't seem to be one, you know, cast iron favourite. It could be a very intriguing Ulster championship in a couple of weeks. 
I think Derry are cast iron favourites. I think they're probably the strongest favourites for Ulster um, for a while. Now, I was in Clownus yesterday. Oosh, oosh. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, wait like it in a tick. Go on. I was in Clownus yesterday, and between the last two games, I think Tyrone are, are, are starting to show something again. Um, like between beating Kerry at home by three points and going to Clonus and winning so handy. Um, and there's a few things that are sort of springing to life for for Tyrone, like a top Park Hamsey now, it looks like he's coming back towards his best. Dara Canavan now, I think, is probably their most important inside forward. Um, and he gives them a different kind of a dynamic in there. And they played an interesting sort of a system yesterday where the two midfielders would take turns, kind of one, one of them would wander in towards full forward. They worked the ball out to the wing and they, they actually got the penalty off that. It was Kennedy that, that was fouled for that one. Um, so they're trying new things. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Rory Canavan in the championship team or certainly off the bench. He came off the bench again yesterday. Um, so I do think that after, you know, the last 18 months of struggling to get back to where they were when they won the All-Ireland, I think Tyrone are probably the second team in Ulster. I watched our, our man Saturday night as well. And I don't know what it is that they're missing, but they're definitely still missing something. It's just really hard to put your finger on it because at different times and different games, they look like they have most of the things you need to be a really top team, but they're finding it hard to win the big games against the big teams. That's, you know, it might be a very simplistic way of analysing them, but it's hard to kind of see beyond that. Um, and I, like, I don't know where Amonon's going to pull this off. Um, they didn't help themselves yesterday at all. Like conceding two goals is, is bad enough in the first half. The first one was definitely a goal they should have prevented. I don't think, you know, the, the penalty was the smartest call in the world uh, in terms of um, the decision-making, but the two sending offs were just, you know, in, when you're in that sort of situation, um, your last home game in a relegation battle, the last thing you want to do is go down to, let alone 14 men. You definitely don't want to go down to 13 men. So as far as I can see, there's definitely a pecking order in Ulster. Um, and I mean, if you throw Donegal into the mix, uh, you'd be very surprised that they won an Ulster title. Well, I do think they're your favourites for Ulster this year. I really do. I, um, I think they've kicked on from last year. They're scoring more. They've conceded less. Um, they'll have a big game, I'd say, against Dublin, probably in the league, in the Division 2 final. That could be a really interesting game because you'd imagine Dublin are going to come back and want to get one over them now before the championship starts. Um, so that'll be a better a better um gauge of where Derry are but sometimes that doesn't really matter either because once Ulster starts it becomes uh very Ulsterish <laughs> you know like it, it it becomes you know it, it it's a it's a competition within a competition sometimes the kind of the things that we learn when you see these teams playing against you know the likes of Dublin or or Kerry or whatever you know sometimes that's relevant by the time that the Ulster Championship starts. Ah yeah Connor geez I thought it was awful stuff in Clonus yesterday like and I, I I'm not thrown 100% with a better team deserved to win no question about that but I I wasn't impressed with them to the level that you know yeah they're probably up there in terms of Ulster rank and of course they are but in terms of later in the year they have a lot more to do in terms of that conversation like Monaghan were it was a very bad day for Monaghan I'd say Vinny knowing Vinny was just disgusted with, with the way the game went yesterday in terms of the, the goals they conceded like if you think about it you know Monaghan, bad and all that they played, and they were missing key men going out. And I've said this before, like Monaghan with everybody can be as competitive as they always, but you take two or three players out of that Monaghan team, 
they they fall back to what they were Connor yesterday, which let's let's be honest is an average team, and that's unfortunate, but that's the reality. Like they're throwing boys in there, um, in terms of starting and off the bench that are just not at inter county level, they're very undercooked, and they just need time. Like and it's not a, it's not a slight on them. They just they just need time physically and to play at that level, and you're expecting an awful lot, and then you're asking the likes of Darren Hughes. Conor McManus, Carl O'Connell to try and pull them out. And it's just very difficult for them at their age to do that week on week. But like it was an awful game in terms of how the team set up, in terms of the the lack of proper intensity. Yeah, there were a few flashpoints, but let's be honest, it was it was what you're used to seeing in, in terms of Monaghan Tyrone football and also rivalry. I thought it was really poor stuff, like Tyrone going like 15 men behind the ball and and, and Monaghan just very couldn't break them down. The sending offs then were very poor for Monaghan. I'd say Vinny was just ready to go through the wall looking at those. You know, you need everything going for you and to, to, to throw up two easy decisions for, for Joe McQuillan to send boys off. You just can't do that. So, tough day for Monaghan. You know, they, as I think I wrote, I wrote in the Independent during, on, on Saturday, how their season will go really de- depends on, on on the availability of their players and their main players. They just cannot afford to be stripped off three and four of their key men. So so what they have, irrespective of what Kevin McStay chooses to put out in Castlebar next weekend, it really depends now because Desi Ward, who's been one of Monaghan's best players, he went off yesterday carrying his, uh, his shoulder fairly gingerly. I'd be concerned now if you were to go down without him possibly... You know, I don't know where Ryan Wiley is and Connor Boyle, who are so important to them, driving forward from the back and had been so effective in those two wins against Donegal and Roscommon that they did play well and they did deserve them. So Monaghan are a better team than they were against Tyrone. Are Tyrone a much better team than they were yesterday to be in All-Ireland? I don't know. I think I think they were very negative. They need to bring more. And maybe that's they just need to get the win and just do what they had to do to get the win and they're building from that. So we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But as a spectacle now, it was... We were stuff yesterday. It was on the style of the game. Dick. The thing that I don't, uh, I, I couldn't get my head around is, you know, like teams know now that at various different stages of the game, sometimes every time in the game, the opposition will defend with 15 men behind the ball. But the thing that I can't work out is you had moments in the game when the attacking team, the players who weren't on the ball were kind of just standing around in, in a huddle inside the 45 and they were doing absolutely nothing. Like they, they were nearly waiting for the ball to be shipped to them. But if you see what Derry do and what Dublin did actually in the first half against Derry, what the best teams do is when, when they get players into the opposition 45, they stretch the defence all the way out. Like the guys in the corner are literally standing in the corner. You know, if you were an inside forward and you know you're not going to get the ball in one of those very slow moves, like instead of standing five yards off the end line, like why don't you just stand on the end line? Because you're bringing your man back five yards because it's so hard to break down one of those mass defences now. You need all of your players doing something active. And even yeah. if that's being a decoy, even if that's dragging your man as far away from the... If you're just stretching the cover by two yards, that's all that, that's going to make a difference. But you had a lot of players yesterday that were on the attacking teams that looked like they were kind of just standing in a position inside the 45, half waiting for a runner to go past them and give them a little flick pass so they could kick it over the bar. But you have to be so structured and so well drilled now to break that down consistently. Um, and it was by both teams yesterday, you know, like a lot of the scores yesterday came from turnovers. You know, yeah, yeah. there was no there was no penetration, no penetration. Eventually they cough up the ball. You've had to get so many runners up the pitch or a small bit exposed at the back. And um, like the penalty, it was nearly a one on one at on the edge of the square. 
Tyrone's second goal, you know, probably somebody dropped a runner coming up the pitch. So yeah. you can just, kind of understand what I yeah. But I just can't understand anymore because the template is set. If you watch how Derry set up now, when they run the ball up the pitch, they will have four men on the opposition's end line. They'll, those four men are not getting the kick pass in. But what they're doing is they're making sure that the cover is stretched. So it looks like the Derry runners are quicker and more direct, but they're not. They just have a bigger space to run through. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I was interested. What you have I haven't seen actually just because they haven't been highlighted. Derry. I remember Derry against Monaghan last year in in Armagh. They actually, which is so unusual. You compare it to Rory Beg and Neil Morgan yesterday. Everything was kicked out short, and they, so that in, immediately sets the tone for the play because you kick a short kick out. What happens? Everybody just sinks back. You have none of that sort of chaos around the middle and something can happen in an early ball. Whereas actually Derry last year, and I don't know if they've changed or not, kicked an awful lot of long ball. They're quite happy to get it out there, knowing that you get possession of a good midfield, you are a really positive attacking position and they were willing to do that. And if you even go back to Jimmy McGuinness's time, you know, and and and, and the, for anyone that sort of says, oh, the blanket defence is, is blame Donegal, they're, they don't know what they're talking about because even if you look at how Donegal played compared to, let's be honest, how Monaghan played and Throne played yesterday, completely different styles. They actually kicked an awful lot of ball. They were far faster in how they transitioned. They had a tactic to get long kickouts and use the space in behind. I think Derry are doing that better. They're they're trying to do that. As you say, they're trying to, to create sort of space and, and when they can. Now, when they have to get men back, be Tigerish and get the ball back. But I think the best teams, and you listed that, the Derrys, the Dublins, when they do it well, they do they do it a wee bit differently. They try to transition quicker. And I think that's the key. If you're going to get men behind, and, and Ferris Throne did transition quicker yesterday than Monaghan. They, they did. And I think that's the key. It's, it's, it's how quickly you can get out from the back in terms of through the foot or hard running, as opposed to this laboured slow, almost the, the minute they get, you can just see it in the play. And you could see it yesterday, Connor, Monaghan players, you just knew the minute they got it, they were going to just turn and give it back or to the left. And that just sucks the energy out of a team, you know? Yeah, I think that one point from playing the whole game was the first point of the game. Um, and f- I think for the, the, I've never been at a match before where you had four different players on one team scored marks. And three of those were those kind of very unpopular kind of marks. Now, Monaghan are, are dead right to exploit it, but um, you have a player who's just outside the 45 and he kicks a diagonal ball to a fella who's only five yards inside the 45, but he's on the wing and, and he, he catches the ball down around his belly. Yeah, it's, it, it's a mark. Now, they're absolutely right to exploit it because they couldn't find a score in another way. But just, you know, when they eventually they do do away with the attack of Mark, I think they'd be able to do like We were cheering them, but through gritted teeth because yeah. you sort of knew well, this is the only way we looked like scored at one stage, but they were awful to look at. As you say, just kill the whole momentum and even the kicks. I think they kicked them all. But probably they were lucky to kick them all because there, were, there was boys kicking them that weren't free takers and they were from a bit of a range and they were sort of lucky to get a lot of those scores, I felt, because, uh, but hey, we were glad of them because in terms of points from play, they were like hands teeth yesterday. But anyway, yeah, that's enough about, enough about Monaghan. <laughs> and Michael, uh, Connor mentioned a potential Dublin Derry League final in a few weeks' time. That could be a good test for both teams. But to get there, Dublin have to be loud at the weekend and what's amounted to a, a, a semi-final game. And it shows us how far loud have come under Mickey Hart that they're in this position. It's been one of the stories of the league in many ways. Yeah, it's been one of the stories the last couple of years. It's gone from four to three to two and they're within touch and distance of potentially getting up to Division One. Now, I think the the Dublin game is in Crow Park at the weekend, but 
you have to like you have to admire Mickey Hart in the sense he'd been in Tyrone for the guts of two decades. Um, you could probably kind of say he was pushed out the door in Tyrone. He immediately resurfaced in Loud, and they've just built and built, and it's it's kind of happened so quickly as well. And they're like if you're looking at if you're looking at Mead and Kildare essentially playing for a fifth fifth slash sixth best spot in Division Two this weekend. And then you're looking at, you know, other teams in Leinster. Like this is the top two teams in Leinster playing for a Division Two final place. You know, the traditional big hitters, uh, your Kildare's, your Meads, even people who are talking up West Mead as Tolchin Cup winners is the second best team or second or third best team in Leinster. But now they're kind of earning that position at the moment, you'd have to say, consistently throughout the throughout this year's league. And it's going to be interesting to see what can they what can they do come championship as well? But they've got themselves in a position um, like most people would have been favouring Cork probably coming to RD last weekend. I think it was their first time to beat Cork in something like 66 years, I think. Um, they've made themselves hard to beat. They mightn't have scored a hell of a lot in 110, but they don't concede much either. And um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a fantastic story. And uh, it's like, you know, it's like even Paddy O'Shea going to Westmead or, you know, Mick O'Dwyer going to Wicklow. It's like the second act for Mickey Hart, and it's been a hugely successful second act so far. Just, I was at their first league game against Clare and Ennis, and Loud were three points up in injury time, and Clare got the last four points of the match, and Kieran Bourne did his cruciate, and after the match, Loud were understandably disconsolate because it was one of those games that they put an awful lot of work and energy into getting prepared for, and it looked like if you had said one of those teams was going to get relegated at the end of the year... Loud were actually playing Derry in their next match, um, so the mood around the the mood around the team was absolutely was brutal. They lost Samuel Roy since then, you know, their top scorer, and they're now playing the Dubs for a spot in Division One. It's extraordinary, you know. And when you watch them and you see them in the flesh, they are the epitome of what a team who is well drilled looks like. They know exactly what they're trying to do with every possession and every play. And I'm not surprised that they've been able to absorb the loss of maybe the two most important players, Kieran Bourne and Samuel Roy, because the next players coming in, even if they're not of the same quality, know exactly what the role is in the team. Um, and Hart has done a, a, a magnificent job to get them to where they are. You know, the, you know, if the match was in our day next week, it would be an incredible occasion. You know, and I think I think the Dublin would be in, under a small bit more pressure, but. Um, the fact that this is even on, the fact that this is a talking point, Loud taking on Dublin for a spot in Division One, it just it, it's 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 exceptional work you'd have to say from the lads. And if a, and they're just looking at the table, they have a pathway to a, a Leinster final as well, whatever. But the league finish off in the Division One football, possibly to look forward to. They're on the the right side of the draw. I think they've, they've West Meath in the opener, and then they've possibly a Meath coming through on the other side. So you know. It'd be a nice time to be allowed footballer to to look at the 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 season ahead for them, isn't it? And that makes that Kildare Mead game even more fascinating with the potential of one of them being down in Division Three and playing Talchin Cup football as mm. well, because you know one of them's not going to get to a to a Leinster final, or maybe both won't. So that's a yeah. Even though, like, if you look at the hurling championship, which we'll, which we'll talk about later, you had very few games with any jeopardy going into the final round, whereas in the football championship, in the football league, like nearly every game has something to play for. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking final weekend of the Alliance Football League. But for now, Dick, Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, folks. 
Well, we're delighted to be joined for our Hurling Chat on the Throne podcast by John Milan and Eddie Brennan. And Eddie, I might go to you first. The the kind of the main part of the Hurling League is done and dusted. The semi-final matchups are set. We have Kilkenny versus Cork and Tipperary versus Limerick. But as we reflect on the five rounds, there seems to be a sense that it's been a pretty drab league. A lot of teams not maybe taking it too seriously. It's been a bit irrelevant almost. Like, is that being too harsh? Or what's your assessment of how things played out over the last couple of weeks? Um, it's hard to know a bit of both, I suppose, really, because um, I think sometimes I think what happened last year is probably weighing heavy on everyone's minds. They're just acutely aware of going hard for it. And, and look, I think I think in fairness to Liam Cal, he probably acknowledged it. And again, in high, afterwards, you hear these things of saying, look, maybe they pushed it too hard in the aftermath of the league final last year or whatever. That that just seems to be probably the, the the best example of it, but it's the worst example of it. So it's maybe being a bit harsh on the league, but equally on the other side of that, then I can see the you know will Derek Ling take a league title? He absolutely will. Um, you know, you'd say even Cork now at the moment. I mean, I I thought there was a a, a marked intensity, like even the Warford Kilkenny match yesterday. And I know it might have finished as, as Warford might have wanted, but there was it was a real battle there yesterday in, in horrible conditions. But I suppose if I throw on the player's hat, I, I think as a player, this is the time of year you want to be playing. I think given how close the championship is, I think the one thing you do not want to do if you want to start on the team, and I know there's obviously it's very much the depth of a squad is important now because you're going to use four or five subs every single day and with injuries you can get your chance. But I think if you're looking to start the championship, you probably don't want to see your competition within the squad get stealing the march on you. So... From a player's perspective, I think you, you definitely want to finish out the league. But I suppose, uh, to maybe answer the question, I think there's three to four teams that are probably there in the league semi-finals now. And any of the other three will want it. They're, they're the three counties at the top of the table when it comes to Liam McCarthy's. But Limerick know that, well, they don't really need to put their strongest hand on the field for the rest of the league. But yes, it's a great way to blood a few young lads. So... I suppose I'm a bit of both, really, is, is, is the answer to that, Will. I, I can see why it maybe is lacking the cut and trust in some matches, but in other matches, then I, I think there's obviously a benefit. But as a manager, you're fierce aware of injuries. Now, if you start getting lads with hammers, and I heard even Cork yesterday, I think they took off two lads kind of precautionary yesterday. Yeah, and Dari Egan was talking about how many injuries Wexford have, and he's delighted to have a, a kind of a few weeks of uh, of maybe no serious competitive matches. Johnny, it's funny, like Eddie mentioned there, Liam Cahal and Waterford in their experience last year, and yet here Tipperary are, you know, flying in the league. He's their manager. He didn't decide to maybe taper it a bit this year, you know, given what happened last year. No, but I suppose <clears throat> from Ian Khan's point of view, I suppose, you know, he he was picking this Tipperary team up from kind of a low a low web. So a good league campaign would only do wonders for uh, for this Tipperary panel of players, you know, considering off the back of last year's league campaign, they were very, very disappointing. So I think from Tipperary and Liam Cattle, I think it was all about momentum building, trying to win as many matches as they can you know, and keep the, the feel-good factor going. And that was evident again yesterday, albeit they made a, whole, a lot of wholesale changes. They went up and registered a big score. But as a whole, for me, I think the league, you know, you go through, well, we're going to the semi-final stage now, I think you go through all the league matches, really, you know, how many games stick out. You're probably talking maybe Limerick, Cork, probably Ward for Tipperary. But outside of that, it's it's been thoroughly disappointing and I think it's probably going to have to be looked at next year 
do you go back to the to the uh, the, the thunder and bolts of, of uh, the previous league campaign where you had the top six and then you had the, the other six in, in um, technically what would be Division 2 but it wouldn't be Division 2 um, and two go down two come up that seemed to work very well maybe you know bring the league start the league a bit earlier I think the two week gap is 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 massive and I suppose make it a bit more appealing for, for players and management to say you know what we're going to go after that league and I'm always of the belief throwing a, a, a really top class holiday like going to Dubai or going somewhere over in Asia you know and if, if it costs money it costs money and I think you would definitely more see more of an appeal from you know for, for, for players and management to say but you know what it's worth going after and worth going winning albeit you, you, you get a National League medal but if you if you told management management teams and and players that you know while you in the league this year you're going to be flying off to Dubai or you're going to be flying off to Cancun, um, I think it might see a different different mindset. Oh, it's on top of that. I'm very interested in in, in all of the injuries picked up throughout this league, and that tells me one thing. I'm thinking that an awful lot of the the approach by an awful lot of management teams is that we train hard during the league, and we still go out and play the matches. And that is high risk. And I think that's starting to play out where an awful lot of teams are starting to pick up injuries and injuries to key players just around the corner from the championship. You also have, Will, you have the suspension or potential suspension to David Fitzgerald now as a result of what was a meaningless league game. Um, and I know that they said they were going to appeal it. I'm, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm not sure how they're going to launch a successful appeal as well when it's you know obvious that he did whatever he did and within the the letter of the law so like this is this is the thing now if you have you know what's a meaningless league game and you have that sort of ramification even going forward now I'm sure Claire would be a lot more careful in a game like that that they wouldn't you know risk losing someone or something like that so that and, and on your question to John as well the league has been disappointing when you can when you can pick out and it's only like what max three games that really stand out from the league of three games where you're looking at yeah these two teams went hammer and tongs at it that's you know that's not the that's not the foundations of having a good competition when you can when you can see it like that you want a competition where you know, we have a competition now in the league where there's a lot of teams don't want to win it because of the ramifications of you know playing a game a week after or playing a game two weeks after or picking up injuries the proximity of league to championship and that's you know that's it's never going to be a successful competition when you have those little caveats with it that's the big shadow in the background I, I think that's I agree with John and Mick on that that that's the big shadow that's probably putting the handbrake on a lot of management teams like as I said for me some management teams would love to get you know high intensity matches into them but a lot of them will revert to using the challenge matches, you know, wherever they can meet teams and have challenge matches, maybe in the next week or have an internal match. But I think, that, that I agree with John too, the, the league needs to be incentivized. But the biggest incentive there is that, or the, the, this incentive, if you like, is having the championship coming so close behind it. I think, yeah, the calendar year, we're still seeing issues that are coming with that. But I think you have to open that window. You have to open that window to at least four weeks, if not five weeks, because it's allowing lads that if someone does tighten a hamstring or something like that, it's not going to take them out. Whereas at the moment, as you get to this stage of the league, 
your your S and C now and your physio are going to be inputting big time into you. Your workload and all that is important. There's the preseason as well. Buy a few weeks back by getting rid of the preseason. I remember you having a, a fair cut at the Walsh Cup a few years ago, Eddie, when you yeah. played Offaly down in Borough. You were the the twenty one manager at the time. Like buy a few weeks back by just getting getting rid of that. And if if you're opening games of the year are going to be your first or second league game then so be it and that's where yeah, you know what I mean like absolutely, just, yeah. buy a couple of weeks back in that respect I would also uh, if they're going to put together a committee uh, to incentivize the league I know that myself and Eddie and John are definitely put forward they'd send us to Vegas or Cancun <laughs> or wherever the winners go as well we can, we can, we can scope out the location beforehand <laughs> snap <laughs> Michael, you mentioned uh, before we went on air as well, though. I was the the format of the championship now being a league around robin. Like, does it? It doesn't really make sense to have a very similar style competition right on the heels of it. Like, it's, in terms of the, and we all love the championship round robin. It's given us some great moments. So, do they need to maybe completely retool the structure and maybe move it? I don't know. Wait, could it be a quasi league knockout structure to make it a little bit different, or something does need to change if you have two similar competitions kind of back to back. Yeah, we have two leagues now, really. And what are you going to be judged on? You're going to be judged on the league championship. So the the league, uh, you know, the, how should we call it? The spring league or, you know, the winter league. Uh, it's it's a different, completely different competition now, but it's played a similar structure to the championship. And I, I think that's eroded some of the interest in it as well, um, uh, along with the proximity to championship. So maybe it's something where, they need to look at doing something completely different. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but if you're playing league championship, uh, I'm not sure the benefits of you know playing league in the current guys that it is now. Or maybe you need to go to smaller groups. Maybe it's groups of four, and you you play less games, and you're able to play. You're able to give more time between the championship. I'm not sure, but in its current structure, I'm not really sure it's fit for purpose mm. at the moment. I, I I think I really think the championship should be nearly pushed out another week. I I, I still maintain that standard on mod April the twenty second is probably. You know, it's too soon. It's too soon. I mean, I'm looking out here at the present moment of time. It's absolutely buckling down. They're giving rain for the next 10 days. So what's to say on April the 22nd that we're not going to have similar conditions? So I don't see any reason why they can't push the championship out to. I know, look, they're saying the split season, but the majority of club championships, they're realistic. They're not, they have their dates. They're not going to start till the middle of August anyway. So I think, you know, why not just push the championship back another week or two? Start at the start of May. And have your All Ireland, you know, final on, you know, the start of August. Have your league final then, possibly, you know, again, uh, April the tenth. As as Eddie said, then that gives you four weeks, a clear run of four weeks into the championship. And I think both of them have to be looked at. Both the league and the championship have to be looked at in in regards dates. You know, if we're going to have, you know, a, a, a league where it's worthwhile going after in future years to come. It's gas because when you when you think about it, and Eddie and John were even like before my time, there was a clear six weeks between league and championship back in the day. And I remember Joe Dooley used to say to us that the training kind of starts now, like you know that's the re- whereas now you have like two three weeks, and you have to the body of work you have to have done. And as John says there, and Eddie mentioned as well, the high risk of you know training throughout the league games. I, you'd love to nearly you know get the lowdown on exactly what Limerick are doing and what way they're structuring it because it's there's such a there's such a science in it all now maybe as compared to years before but 
just on, on the league, the league definitely will need to change in some respect, whether it's been to be incentivized or otherwise, because we don't want to have our secondary, secondary competition where, you know, some teams definitely do not want to win it. And some teams just want to finish in that limbo, like maybe a Wexford, where they're just happy enough now to finish up, go back and work by themselves for five weeks. You're, it's in danger of becoming the Walsh Cup if it continues the way it is. You know, that's the reality, because what you're doing is you're actually impinging too on your Fitzgibbon Cup. So the, the, there's a lot of things going on there. And like you said there, the, the load of your players is very, very important. But to be fair, I think I think we might get two cracking games the weekend. I think Tipperary will have a right oh, call of yeah. a Limerick. I think Cork going to Nolan Park. I think Cork will be, will be eager to, to win the league. And Eddie, Eddie touched on it there. You know, Derek Ling most certainly won't turn his nose up to a, to a league title. So I think we'll get two cracking fixtures the weekend. And look... If you have a probably a Tipperary Kilkenny final or a Kilkenny Limerick final or a Cork Limerick final, you know I think we'll get we'll get a we'll get a very good final. So I think we, you know, this time next week or two weeks time, I'm saying you know Jesus, it was a great end to the league. Yeah, Cork have won a league title in twenty five years, which is kind of hard to believe. Eddie, of the of the four semi finalists, who do you think will benefit the most from you know taking home a league title? I think either Cork or Tip. I think, like I said there, Derek Kilkenny, we'd love it. Uh, the, the league has always served Kilkenny well. They always zoned in on it and tried to get something from it. And, and it was a way of finding new players. And look, the, the very shining example of that is Billy Drennan and how he has adapted to inter-county hurling has, has shown himself to be very, very capable at this level uh, in, in what are tough, tough conditions for a young guy to be moving in on the team. But I think... Uh, I know there's a the the there's the battleground that is Munster, but I think Pat Ryan or Liam Cab would really love, you know, and you can turn around and say, yeah, is it shadow boxing knowing that they're going to be squaring up to each other? But a Cork Tip League final in either Parky Creeve or Simple Stadium, I think both managers would love it because you're now getting the t- like Cork need to find out on the biggest stages and a league a national final is a national final. I still think if they're going to war with Tip, they will not want to hand them a national title or vice versa. And I know, look, if my own county, we'd love it as well. Limerick probably would would take it. I, I don't think they'll be too fussed. I don't think they'll be overly fussed one way or another. Um, you know, Tip, do, do you go all out against Limerick next weekend and show a little bit of your hands? Whereas, you know, full well, Limerick are going to measure you knowing that they'll only have maybe 12, 11 fellas that'll start championship. So, it's hard to know, but I do think, I think of them all, Cork or Tip could benefit the most from this. Yeah, Michael, what's your perspective on, especially with like Tip Ray Limerick playing again in Munster? Do you expect there to be a little bit of holding back or will they be going for a full-blooded? Uh, full-blooded enough. Like Limerick are in a position where they're only kind of reintegrating Galan, they're only reintegrating Dermot Burns uh, and a couple other players into the fold. Cotton O'Neill has played very little league, same with Connor Boylan. So, They've uh, Keen Lynch sat out the weekend. Sean Finn sat out the weekend as well. Um, Tip have actually caused Limerick quite a bit of trouble in the last four or five years. They just generally haven't been able to fin- finish off the game. Um, like I think they'll there'll be definitely certain aspects they'll go after. Like it'd be interesting to see who picks up. You know, I know he's a wing back, but who picks up Kyle Hayes from a Tipperary point of view was one of the reasons that. Liam Cattle uh, relocated Seamus Kendi to half forward so that he could play a role like that. And you learn, you learn kind of that some things like that this weekend as well. This is, re- I think, this is quite peculiar. The Tip Limerick game, um, the the boot is on the 
different foot completely. But when they played in the 2018 league semi-final in Turles, Tip were all Ireland champions two years previous, and Limerick were trying to, you know, prove themselves or whatever. Now, yeah, and Limerick put up a brilliant performance, were beating an extra time, and I think it benefited them a lot as the year went on. The boots on the other foot now. Well, I think I don't think Tip will be holding back too much, um, in my opinion, anyway, because. They were you know, even at the weekend against Antrim. They still had the foot to the floor, put up a huge score. I think it was four twenty-eight up in Corrigan Park. Uh, did the same against Leash when the game was dead. They still kept pushing and pushing. Um, and I think I I don't think um I don't think Liam Cattle would be haunted by last year's league with Waterford or anything like that. And I think they'll go of all the teams. They'll probably go full-blooded now. Whether it's good enough to beat Limerick at the weekend or not, I'm not so sure. But I. I don't think uh, I don't think they'll die wondering. I think they'll put most of what they have out on the table and see how they match up against Limerick in a big game. Mm. And John, just to get your perspective on Waterford, obviously you know coming up short against Kilkenny, so missing out in that league semi-final place. You know, what's your assessment of how Davies done with them in his first five matches? Uh, I'm I'm I suppose like a wall, an awful lot of water sports. I'm kind of baffled at the moment where where they are where they are right now. Um, where was the interest in the league from Davy? They're flying out to Portugal tomorrow, Will, for about five, six days. So I'm thinking that that probably, so I'm probably thinking that that, that, that trip to Portugal was probably booked about a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago before even this league kicked off. So was there a whole lot of interest to go and really push on and win this league? That trip being booked tells me that they had no interest in the league. Um, that everything is, is focused on on finishing in the top three. Uh, he's done an awful lot of good things in the league. He's, he's blooded a few young players. I thought, uh, you know, Eddie touched on it there. Uh, Billy Drennan was good yesterday. I thought young Connor Ryan was, you know, really went toe-to-toe with Billy Drennan yesterday. And I think he, he's probably one for, one for the future. And who's to say he won't uh, see championship time? I was very, very impressed by him. Young young Porrick for Sherry yesterday. Patrick for Sherry came on, came on as well. Um, Toig is is slowly getting back to back to his best, but the big the big uh, the elephant in the room at the present moment of time seems to be Desi Hutchinson. I think it's, everyone is asking the question like what's what's going on with with Desi Hutchinson now. <clears throat> I, I'm thinking one of two things: he's either going to throw Desi back inside, or he's saying to Desi, "Well, look, Desi, this is the way it's going to be. There's going to be stages of games within the Monster Championship where." you're going to be out around the half-forward line. Now, probably not necessarily half-forward. I know Eddie, you went down the All-Ireland final um, on Parik Mar and uh, done very, very well. You know, you were given, you were assigned a task to try and stop uh, Parik Mar and put, put him on, on the back foot. But I don't see Desi as that type of player. I see him as, you know, really close to goal, uh, quick turn of foot, in on goal, you know, get his two or three points, four or five points. So it's going to be very, very interesting how that plays out. Now, one thing I, I would say from, from the outside looking in, I think going off of yesterday, I think Waterford are going to be extremely difficult to play against. Um, and I think they're going to be extremely difficult to break down. Now, the way they're setting up, are they going to deviate from that? I don't think they are. I think what you see is what you're going to get in the, in the championship where they're going to play maybe one inside, two inside, sometimes maybe no one inside and they're going to flood that middle third and uh, Tyg is going to sit in the pocket. And you've seen it yesterday, you know, Kilkenny for large parts of that match struggled. You know, you go back to the Tipperary match where Tyg went back as sweeper for the first 15 minutes of that second half. 
Tipperary struggle as well. So I think what you see is what you're going to get. Um, now, Warford supporters, you know, it might be the liking of Warford supporters, but look, if 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 it gets results, if it gets Warford out of the top three, happy. But I'm going to jump in there, John. I, I would say this is a kind of, I, I don't know, I, I, and I've been thinking hard about this for the last week, Then, what exactly are Waterford trying to do here? And in, in some ways, it's a kind of a cast back to, like, like I would like, what is Ty DeBorka's best role? Like, is he a guy that's going to mark somebody and go toe-to-toe with somebody? You know, we know, I think Ty DeBorka's only role that I see him where he is quite effective is, is around that D, mind in the house. And he's good at that, in fairness to him. We saw Tipperary, maybe, was it the 18 Munster final down in, in Limerick, I think, or maybe before that, where they just went over him, they dismantled him. And, uh, you know, and they got a heap of goals on Derek McGrath. But ultimately, the big, the big, the big um, question you have to ask is, is it going to be that that's going to be Watford? They're very difficult to break down. But ultimately, where does that get you in the broader schemes of winning an All-Ireland title or winning a Munster title? And it comes back to, there's a lot of elements to it. But like for me, if I'm looking at Watford, I do not want to see Desi Hutchinson operating around that D and around that square where they're feeding him. That's where he is at his best. Yeah, there's times he might have to go out the fields. But I think ultimately, you have to have guys that are able to, to function and, and be a threat. And I think, to me, in my opinion, this is one of the issues that it surrounds a Davy Fitz team. I think there's a little bit too much of what they can't do. Like they, they have to play the system and he tries to control it. And I get that. I, I, I can understand why you would want to maybe show up shop and start closing the gap and say, right, we're going to be very hard to score against and we'll see can we pinch something and win freeze, manufacture freeze. We saw some kind of mad ones there of Callum Lyons jumping up on John Donnelly yesterday and he bought the free. It's little things like that, I think, is what he's playing after. But ultimately, and I suppose the example I give is, are you telling me that Desi Hutchinson couldn't be in where like Billy Drennan was yesterday and being capable of winning clean possession with Conor? Like it was a brilliant battle. I, I agree with you. Young Ryan is a good player, good young fella. But like, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. And I think when you look at the market leaders, with like, is Galan happy with it with a guy up on top of him or that kind of? He can win balls and that. So that to me is where you need to have those one or two lads in there that you can say put it into them. Get, let's feed the boys inside and they make something happen. And I and that's my worry for Warford. I can I can see you some of it. I can understand the rationale with some of it. But ultimately, I think a David Fitz team. And I think we saw this. The evidence for me is in the All Ireland semi final when Wexford weren't able to finish off Tipperary with a, ma- a numerical advantage and five points up, your hurling brain and your hurling instincts have to kick into gear when a match is there to be won. And I just think that's possibly where a Davy Fitz team falls down. You know, you have the talent there in Warford, even your own team, John, and I'll make this argument. I think you weren't, we were worried in 2008 that Warford would come up and let fly, that they would just come at us. And I think... Davy was very conscious of Ken sitting in front and minding the house and keeping things tight. I think I get that. There's a time of the match you do that. But there has to be times in the games where you go all you go after teams and you go and you try bury them with your artillery. And I thought he had that in eight. I think there's certainly guys there in that Warford squad at the moment that can hurt opposition. And I would fear that maybe the handbrake has not been taken off. Yeah, John, you want to come back in on that before we finish up? Well, look, I suppose to be fair, I suppose, and he, he remarked in, it in, in the aftermath of, of, of yesterday's match, I suppose, you know, where he's had to picking this team up after after that defeat defeat up in Clare. Um, 
you know, my my feeling of it is is look, we the common denominator with David Fitzgerald teams is that you know he he, he very rarely uh, go. I hate to use the word conventional because it, it's very rare that you see you know a conventional yeah, yeah. setup in, in 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 any team nowadays. But he very rarely goes with with a three inside or two inside. Um, he likes to flood flood that middle third. But you know, Eddie is hundred percent right. It's 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 ultimately as Eddie touched on it there. If if Plan A or Plan B ain't working, does he have a Plan C to say, "Well, look, we're going to we're, we're going to go for it now"? And it's very it's very hard to implement Plan C when you're so programmed to going to do Plan A and Plan B to then say, "Well, look, lads." We need we need to go with Plan C now, and Plan C could be throwing Austin up in an inside forward line with Desi and and Michael Kylie. So yeah, look, it's 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 going to be very interesting how, how it's going to play out. Like given given what it's going to take to 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 beat to beat a Limerick to beat any of the top sides, you're going to need probably two twenty two two twenty three in around that twenty eight twenty nine point mark. Do I see Waterford? Registering that mark of what my eyes are seeing right now, no, I don't. Will well, just lastly on Desi Hutchinson, right? This is not a player who's twenty-seven or twenty-eight, and you need to like regenerate him or recreate him. This yeah, is a yeah. lad who has played three years of intercounty, having come back from professional soccer. He's been an all-star nominee on each of the three years. Waterford were abysmal towards the latter stages of the Munster Championship last year. He was the one shining light. Shining he light, he yeah. gave Sean Sean Finn all sorts of trouble that e- that evening they played him um in, in late April. Even against Clare, he was very, very good. Uh, he carried that form into with Bally Gunner as well. You have one of the most dangerous inside forwards here, a killer inside, and you're playing him out the middle of the field. And people would say, Oh, Davy's pulling the wool over, you know, X and Y's eyes by playing Desi out here. But I put it to John and, and Eddie, they wouldn't be happy with you know playing out around the middle of the field for all the league and then just been thrown into the full forward line. I don't think it works like that. You, as an inside forward, you're you're like it takes a bit of time to get back into that frame of mind again of being a killer inside rather than you know laying off sideways hand passes and you know striking the ball laterally across the field. It's a completely different role. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't think it makes sense. And it's just something that Eddie said as well. To me, Waterford are not Wexford. Watford have, like, Le- Wexford to me were a bit limited. And I think what Davy did with them was fantastic to win a Leinster. Watford have, like, Mikey Kiley at the edge of the square. They've Austin Gleeson, they've Patrick Kern, they've Desi Hutchinson, they've Parik Fitzgerald, Patrick Fitzgerald. They've a-, a heap of ways of hurting you. And I just, I'm just not sure if the way they're playing at the moment, maybe we'll see something different come summer, but I don't think the way they're playing at the moment is serving their personnel best. I'll put it to you that way. I'd be very interested to see what addition arrives for the championship. But again, like another guy I feel sorry for too, and I think Patrick Curran is a real confidence player. I think he's a guy who can hurt you. And I I think I haven't seen him get a flow. And I think, you know, some manager, because he's he's way too skillful. He's way too capable of of shooting the lights out, I think, if he gets on the right type of ball. And, And I think sometimes... As a player, right, you want to see, right, show me the purpose of what we're doing here. Because I don't mind if, if, <laughs> if you turn around and say you want me at wing back, great. You know, that's my job and, and, and what I'm doing here, great, okay. But I think you have to see that this is something that's going to allow us to go and, and attack a game, go attack a championship. Like, and I think that's, that's ultimately what you want to see. 
so it'll be very. I, I'm waiting to see. I'm I'm presuming the master tactician that Davy is with all the game plans that he has claimed to have had over the years. There's something big going to be rolled in the championship. But I would like to think that, geez, as a Warford supporter, and obviously John is the best place of all to talk about this, you want to say, let's use what we have. Yes, defend as well as we can. Maybe drop your midfielders back a little bit. But look at Waterford on the days that they have really, really hit the highs. It has been through Austin Marauding through, Jamie Marauding through, going after matches. And imagine if you're in opposition trying to, trying to deal with that, whereby they can come at you. That, that's a headache, you know. Yeah, and my, my, my only fear with, 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 uh, with Desi, and look, you know yourself, Eddie, albeit we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, we're only sur- surmising, but like, you, 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 you take uh, Desi, right? Probably the conversation could be that, look, you know, we're not showing our hand in, in, in the league and it's going to be different in the challenge, but, but that's grand. But my only fear is that if you start messing with it with, it, with a top class yeah. player that Desi Hutchins is, you, what you don't want is a player of the calibre of Desi Hutchins starting to deal with himself saying, Jesus, you know, and looking... Again, confused, yeah. yeah and, and looking at stupid stats that, that are going around at the moment saying, look, he didn't do this or he didn't do that, like, and, and seeing negativity. That can, you know, you don't want him self-doubting himself saying, well, oh, Jesus, am, am, I, am I running into a bad, bad form coming, coming, coming into the championship? Um, my only fear then as well from a Waterford supporters point of view, right? We've four games on the road, all right? Which is going to be expensive enough now. Like, you know, you take the, the current climate, pe- people struggling at the moment. Like, it's it's an expense. So my only fear is that if the Waterford supporters don't see something to their liking, they might say, well, look, you know what? I'm not going to go to the second game. I'm not going to go to the third game. I might go to the fourth game. Well, if, if they see something that they like against Limerick and they see something, you know, gaining a bit of momentum and saying, you know, there's something good happening here, they'll go to the second game, they'll go to the third game, they'll go to the fourth game. And those are the, the, the fears that I have. And go back to Pat, Patrick Curran. I felt under Liam Cattle, Patrick Curran was starting to get back to his best. He was starting yeah, to yeah, absolutely. Goals and he started humming again. I actually felt sorry for him yesterday. I actually thought, you know, he missed a couple of frees and, you know, you know yourself, hitting, hitting, freeze in those conditions. Then he was thrown into the forward line, full forward line. He was at one stage of the game. He was, he was, he was, he was. There wasn't a man within thirty yards of him. And then there was no ball going into him. What happens then? He gets the curly finger, and you could see by his body language coming off yesterday that you know he's a he's a lad that's probably you know needs a little bit of a pick me up and need the arm around him. Probably over in Portugal this week to say, "Look, Patrick, you're still going to be a big player for us." This, this this summer and you know your, your form we've seen your form over the last couple of years we've seen how, how good of a player you are underage you can be a big player for us in the summer you know I'd love him in my squad I think he's a good he's a good joke set up to be an intriguing few weeks for sure for Waterford and for the league semi-finals next weekend as well for the moment I'd like to thank Eddie John and Michael for joining me as well as Dick Clerken and Conor McKeown earlier for our football chat we will be back next week in the Throne podcast with another show looking back on all the latest league action in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie so until next week thanks for listening and goodbye